This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Before we get to our topics, I did want to mention that if you have any questions or suggestions for topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can find us at Ruth E at boomerangspodcast.com. R-U-T-H-E. At boomerangspodcast.com. I begged you to drop that E, but you just won't do <laughs> I it. I can't do it. Now it's on my license plate, so I really can't Oh, that's do it. right. Today, I am going to talk about a documentary, Honeyland. And Mike is going to talk about... An Elephant Sitting Still, a Chinese movie of 2019. And we're also going to discuss the Jeff Bezos kerfuffle with the Saudi prince MBS and the National Enquirer at all. So we'll see how far that gets us. And we may sneak in another topic at the end if we have time. So, Honeyland. This is about a beekeeper in Macedonia. A beekeeper in, in Macedonia. Macedonia. Yes. Okay. When I first heard about this, and people were raving about it, I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding. But the fact is, this is a 55-year-old woman who lives in a hut with her 80-year-old mother, who's in failing health, Right. and she raises bees. Okay. She is at one with nature. She's like the Jane Goodall of bees. Exactly. She leaves half of the honey for them. Oh. takes half of the honey and sells it at the markets around Macedonia. Oh, okay. Now, I'm sure I've lost you all, but this is an amazing documentary. It is just the luck of the filmmakers. They happen to embed with this woman who speaks a dialect of Turkish that the filmmakers didn't understand. Mm. And they had to have it translated once the entire film was done, which mm -hmm. was 400 hours mm -hmm. of footage that they got. The woman lives in total isolation until a family moves in next to her mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and conflict ensues. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of spoilers to be given, but it is such a beautiful and rich story mm -hmm. with very little dialogue. It is mostly in just her actions. It sounds like you pick up a lot of who she is just through the visuals. That's and right. You somehow know her. You know her. Without being really formally introduced in a exactly. narrative way. She's just this beautiful character. She's mm. 55. She never married. Right. There's a story there mm -hmm. and takes care of her mother. In the course of filming this right. and the family moving in, the directors got a little petri dish of right. life. The reason that I feel comfortable bringing this up is because it was nominated for not one, but two Academy Awards. It's mm. nominated as the best feature in a foreign language category, which now is not said as foreign language. It's some fancy schmancy name and also is best documentary. Okay. So I'm sure it will win one, if not both of those categories, because it's just so phenomenal. As you watch it, you cannot believe that the filmmakers were lucky enough to actually capture, capture all of this. Yeah, it's all, it sounds almost like a nature documentary where it almost sounds like they found something yes. on the human level that's equivalent. Very much so. Yeah. It's fascinating and beautiful and horrible and transcendent all yeah. at the same time. Yeah. I think it you'd like it. It sounds very inspiring. Yeah. No, I think you'd really like it. It's not the kind of documentary where this happens and that happens and mm -hmm. this happens and that happens. The story is right. unfolding. That's what people like about storytelling is that when it's working, you get a sense of a view into a person that you didn't have before. And when you see into them, even though they're different, we've never been to Macedonia, but obviously you found much relatable about her and her experience of yes, life. It's it was, cool. it's uh, connection. It was a jaw-dropper. It's the healer of all time is connection. <laughs> connection and relaxation. Those are my two medical I'm sorry, I fell asleep. Things. What were you saying? <laughs> 
And you saw Elephant Sitting Still? An Elephant Sitting Still. I would not have known about it, except that I was driving and listening to NPR. And on NPR, they were playing the New Yorker Radio Hour. Oh! And the New Yorker Radio Hour did a segment called The Brodies. That's their version of the Oscars. They take all the movies that New Yorker critic Richard Brody liked and thought were the best nominees of the year... And then they sit down with a couple of staffers. And from those nominees, they pick from only from a few categories. They pick best actor, best actress, I think best director and best film. And when they got to best film, I think they were talking to Richard Brody himself. So I learned from that that there's a Chinese film that came out last year called An Elephant Sitting Still by a young filmmaker who tragically passed away even before the film was released. I thought, well, I've got to watch this and see why would this esteemed critic think this was the best movie of the whole year when there's so many movies. And this was one nobody's heard of. I, I had never heard of it. Yeah, and, I don't know if it was released here or say, what. Honeyland was a very obscure film. Right. So I've right. heard of a lot of films That's right. that are yeah. well, far out there. Uh, oh, and he said it's four hours long. And I thought, well, the weekend's coming. <laughs> and and I, I had this show on Friday night. And then I, I was like, oh, I finally have free time. So I thought, I'm going to watch this four-hour movie. Last weekend, I watched The Irishman. So I'm... Okay. I'm now in a groove of yeah. watching these epics yeah. that go on for hours. So I watched it. It's fictional, but it's a portrait of four or five characters who all live in a very dour, dank housing project in a very dour and dank industrial town somewhere in China. You can tell it's remote. They're poor, but they have certain things. The kids have their cell phones. So they're not like living in dirt exactly, but it's economically depressed. You and can do they tell. work in the industry that's in the town? Well, the, the, the main characters are, are young kids, so they're all in school. They're like teenagers. Oh, oh. And then there's one older that. character who's a grandfather of one of the other characters, and he's retired. And one of the first subplots that they show you is his kids are trying to talk him into going to a nursing home because they want to move to an area where the father, uh, his son-in-law, will have an opportunity to teach at a good school. Oh. And in order to do that, they have to move into school housing and the only unit they can get is too small. So right away, you're getting this sense of people being cold with each other. And <laughs> it sounds like, why would this movie be interesting? And I just read a thumbnail kind of review as I was looking up the director's name. And it says it's a study on selfishness. And I don't know if I took it as a study on selfishness. I took it as a study on people who had been harmed by the system they're in. You have China and this economic boom that's supposedly happening. And I think what this is showing is the dark side of privatization and the... And capitalism. And capitalism taking hold in China. I'm sure these people weren't any better off under the old system, maybe even worse. I can't believe I'm saying this because it was also very inspiring. And I think it was because you get to know these four or five characters. The camera's very close on all of them. And it feels almost documentary-like because you follow them. Sometimes you'll just have a character walking from one building, across a courtyard, across a street, maybe a long walk. And he'll take two or three minutes to show the person walking. And you get a sense of the person moving. There's tons of silence, tons of open spaces. And you get a look at these people and the harshness, the emotional harshness that they're living under. Well, it sounds like they're a group of people with very limited choices. Yeah, that's and pretty they, much it. They have and to they're make all, a choice. They're all really, they're struggling economically, but they're just getting by. So I don't know. It's a comment on the other 99%. So it's got this title, An Elephant Sitting Still. And that makes you, as you're watching it, you start to see these people, I did anyway, you know how animals start to behave weirdly and erratically when they're in captivity? Yes. And they do things that they harm themselves yeah. and they harm each other? Yeah. 
So then there's this thing throughout, there's this town far off called Mujuli. And in Mujuli, they have a zoo. And at the zoo, there's an elephant and they advertise, come see the elephant. He sits still. He doesn't do anything. He just sits there. People poke him and he doesn't do anything. And these people are fascinated by him. And that's what draws these characters together is in all of their agonizing bleakness of their lives, they get hooked on this idea of going to this town to see this elephant. You start thinking as you're watching, well, what's the elephant? And I don't know, to me, the elephant who's lost the ability to respond. Think of the elephant with all these wonderful instincts and power and intelligence intelligence and embrace of life and being a real presence on the planet. Well, the largest just, mammal on the planet. Right, is sitting still. And can't be provoked. Yeah. And I, I think each viewer can make up their minds. But for me, it kind of seemed like, why would they be drawn to this? Maybe because they relate to a creature who has the capacity to live joyfully, but who has been completely shut down by the cage in which he's been placed. Huh. So I think that's the metaphor. But what That makes, does sound really dark. It is bleak and dark. But what makes it inspiring at the same time is that the director shows these characters that are going through these harsh conditions up close and in a way... It might be something in common with beekeepers, what you described. You feel you know them, and you see their suffering, and you get it. Mm -hmm. And the very unvarnished acting style, it's very pure. You don't get a sense that anybody went to acting school necessarily, yeah. although yeah. maybe they did. But you don't get any sense of technique. You just see characters. There's no gauze to work your way through. You see them right away and you yeah. get them. Yeah. And because of the camera work, it's always up close and in their faces. You're really seeing what's in their minds and hearts. It doesn't sound like you found it uh, no. grueling. It must be pretty no. captivating. It's like, you could call it impressionistic. There's a lot with light and shadow. A lot of the meat of the movie is in the depiction of the atmosphere. Well, I'm sold. I think it's great, but it is on the darker side. I'm not adverse to dark themes, mm -hmm. but I do have to have a rooting interest. There has to be somebody in right. the picture that I can identify with. I think the way this works is that right away you, you get their struggle. And I think, I mean, both I, are capital. I think of Dickens is about mm -hmm. people's individual right. and sociological struggle. That's right. It has a long history in, yeah. in literature and film. There's a lot in it too about social media and about alienation. And I think it's a common commentary on our economic system and also our, our social media system that has some ill effects that we weren't prepared for. Well, I think that we're just beginning to recognize them now. Yeah, that could take us to Bezos. Jeff Bezos? Why would we be talking about him? There's a story that began, I believe, in January of 2019. It's a complicated story. There are a couple of trunks of this tree. The National Enquirer had approached Bezos with a lot of incriminating evidence that he was having an affair. He was married to his wife of like 20 plus years, Mackenzie Bezos was her name. They had begun Amazon together. Mm. He was the head of it and she was basically the first employee. She was the accountant and had some major input as far as what brands they were mm. promoting. The business model and everything. Yeah. So she had a substantial stake in the company. Mm -hmm. This affair was going to be revealed, and Bezos, rather than saying, I'll give you whatever you want, to the National Enquirer, I don't know what they wanted. I mean, they may have just been calling him to tell him that they had this information and they were going to print it. He said, I'm not going to fall for this, and he wrote a letter 
that was printed on Medium, an internet website. He said, basically, I'm being blackmailed by the National Enquirer. I am having an affair, and they can do what they want with their photographs and all of their text messages. I don't care. I'm out. He and his wife separated. They divorced. This all happened in the last year. She got a substantial amount of the company's stock. So she may be the richest woman on the face of the earth Mm -hmm. while he is allegedly the most moneyed man. Although, as I said last week, I believe that Vladimir Putin is actually the richest man on the planet. Oh, probably. But we'll never know the exact amount of his treasure. He's got the cleanest money in the world. (laughs) He probably does. It's probably very... many times. Yes, exactly. That's the National Enquirer part of it. In 2018, a year before that, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, is the name of the Saudi crown prince, who is basically running the show there. His father is the figurehead, but he's really the operational guy. He and Jeff Bezos had dinner in Los Angeles. This was a way for MBS to get to know people in Hollywood, ostensibly because he wanted to fund Hollywood filmmakers Mm -hmm. and make films in Hollywood. He and Jeff Bezos both had, I guess, WhatsApp apps. And my understanding of WhatsApp is that it's used internationally. Mm -hmm. It's not just... It's like like cell phone service, but it runs through the internet. So you can... Yeah, I learned this with my friend in France. Yeah, it's a cheap way to do phone calls and video or sound phone calls. Oh, okay. So they then exchange their numbers on WhatsApp, Mm -hmm. exchange their information... And then the next day or so, MBS put Jeff Bezos' information into his regular phone service. Bezos became convinced that the way the National Enquirer got his information was through MBS. That MBS somehow hacked into his phone because at a certain point after they had exchanged numbers, Bezos had gotten a video from MBS that he tapped on. But then later it was revealed this video had spyware. And Bezos became convinced that MBS somehow was in league with the National Enquirer. As it turns out, the affair that Bezos was having was with a woman who's a TV personality. Her name is Lauren Sanchez. Right. The way that those photographs got to the National Enquirer was through Lauren Sanchez's brother, Michael. She had given him all of this information, the photographs, the text messages, all the rest of it. Now, we don't at this point know why she gave it to him, but he turned around and sold it to the National Enquirer for $200,000. Okay, but MBS had also hacked his phone had also hacked his phone. Okay. But we don't know exactly what he got from his phone. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we don't know if he had an intention of blackmailing him at some point. Right. We don't know that MBS had any idea that he was having an affair. Right. The weird thing about it is the connection with Bezos and MBS and the Saudis is that Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Right. And that's why Trump hates him. That's why Trump hates him, but also the Washington Post was the vehicle for the criticism that Jamal Khashoggi had printed against MBS in Saudi Arabia. So Jeff Bezos has reason to believe that a Saudi crown prince would want to hack into his phone and Mm -hmm. blackmail him Mm -hmm. or do whatever was possible because of his association with Jamal Khashoggi, Mm -hmm. who was dismembered. Turkish journalist. That's right. Also a U.S. resident. And had been critical of the Saudi family and the way that they were conducting their business and their human rights record. 
it must be interesting to be Jeff Bezos at this time. Yeah. He went from being this sort of computer nerd to suddenly he's on a boat. Oh, he goes around on people's yachts. Goes on, he, on people's yachts. He was on Geffen's yacht and someone else's yacht. And he's in Chantropay one week and yes. living the high life. That little bit I read in the article said how he took his wife to a fairly pedestrian restaurant of some kind for a... In Miami. Yeah, for yeah. A, an anniversary dinner. And then right. the next was off on a yacht in Chantropay or somewhere in the Mediterranean. With, with his, his girlfriend. With Lauren Sanchez. Yes. Why on earth would she want to publicize this? Oh, I guess that makes what? sense. What? Well, because if you're the one, if you're the secret, you start to get resentful. You say, oh. wait a minute, why are you hiding me? You shouldn't hide me. Are you ashamed of me? So that's what people who have affairs <laughs> do sometimes. Is that right? I think so. And I, I can understand. Yeah, even though they're the homewreckers, really, because the person's already married. But I think if you're in an affair like that, and it's a secret, you could take that easily as, well, they must be ashamed of me, then they don't want anyone to know about me. So I'll I show guess. them. I'm going to put it out. In but he was very visible with her. It wasn't like, yeah. I mean, when he showed up on the yacht, it wasn't as if That's he was true. undercover or in disguise. Yeah. It just is a crazy, crazy story with so many different tentacles. Yeah, it's he's quirky at least, if not more. Because if you were having an affair with somebody and they spilled the beans for money, for their for their family members to make money off of it, wouldn't, wouldn't that, that make you a little less interested in continuing? But that doesn't seem to have stopped him. Just like the publicization of it didn't stop him. No, but this, now the revelation that it was the brother yeah. just happened, I think, like one to three days ago. So we don't know. I just looked it up to see yeah. if they had broken up over the revelation of right, this. Right, right. And there's nothing in any of the major newspapers yeah. that says that. Yeah. But yeah, you would think that having that kind of breach of trust would right. be kind of a mortal blow to a relationship. Do you think that corporate... Uh, Moguls like this are our equivalent of royalty, and that's why we take an interest in their personal lives so much. And it's like, I'm fascinated by this, but I'm thinking, why do I care what the owner of Amazon's doing? Except it does have political connections that are definitely interesting. But um, Political in what way? Well, if MBS is involved in oh, hacking yes. his phone, yes, yes. and we know Trump went very easy on Saudi Arabia after yes. the Khashoggi murder, yeah, there's probably political aspects to this story that will come out later. Yeah. That eventually we'll know more about the Trump connection or why Trump was so easily cowered by people like MBS and um, Erdogan and, and, of course, Putin. Um, so we'll eventually yes. we'll find out why. I think one of the reasons that Trump didn't get overly involved or invested in the murder of Khashoggi was because Jared and MBS are buddies right. and have some kind of financial dealings with each other. Right. How deep that goes, it's probably pretty deep, yeah. given what we know about Trump and his right. nefarious dealings. Right. Yeah, who knows? I, I think more will come out. It's got to at least be Trump adjacent, you know, because of his animosity towards the Washington Post and, and Bezos because of his ownership of the Washington Post. Yes, not only that, but because David Pecker is the person who did the catch and kill right. with McDougal is her, her her last name. I don't remember her first name. So Did Pecker own American Media that uh, uh, owns the National Enquirer? Yes. They were the ones who 
I know this is getting so long, but it's so fascinating. David Pecker was very much invested in Trump because Trump sold his papers. Right. I mean, he followed Trump and Trump gave him access to all parts of his life. At the point where McDougal looked like she was going to spill the beans on her 10-month-long relationship with Trump right before the oh, right. election, right. which is also when the Stormy Daniels thing happened, yeah. he agreed to pay her $150,000 right. for her story. The deal was he was never going to publish anything with her. He just paid right. her the money so for her to go it. away. Yeah. And that was directly connected with Trump. The thing about the National Enquirer is the federal government said, we won't prosecute you for your involvement with Trump and his campaign dealings, but you can't break the law anymore. And so if they had been found to be the people who were blackmailing Bezos, they would have been breaking the law. Okay, It's such a nest of vipers. Hmm. Really, it's just incredible the way all of this goes on. I see an Amazon original movie coming my way. <laughs> <laughs> Free with your Prime Free membership. Free with my Prime membership. <laughs> uh, well, also, it goes back to, I mean, MBS and Jeff Bezos. Bezos has Amazon Studios. Right. So, of course, he would be interested in the Crown Prince's money oh, to right. fund Hollywood Investing. films. Yeah. Because he would want it for, exactly, yeah. for his film production. Yeah. It's huh. so crazy. Yeah. And probably MBS sees him as kind of a, I don't know what, a colleague or a rival or a, almost maybe they're in the same level economically. That's what it goes back to what I was saying. Jeff Bezos is one of the closest people we have to a royalty because of his wealth and business ownership. His ownership. I, mean, I think I mean, that that really... He owns retail. Yes. Basically. In and, the he, whole US. and his product affects all of our lives. Yeah. It's not as if it's remote. It's just like Steve Jobs and Apple or Bill right. Gates and Microsoft. I mean, right. these are people who, the founders of Google, right. these are people whose products affect us in a daily way. Alexa, <laughs> <laughs> how rich is Jeff Bezos? I'm going to shake her down tonight <laughs> before I go to bed good. get some information. I can't leave our little podcast without acknowledging that we're recording on the day that Kobe Bryant died. Kobe was 41 years old. Mm. He was the father of four girls. Mm. One was seven months old and one was 13 and she also perished with him. I have a complicated history with Kobe because he was a non-prosecuted sex offender. He mm -hmm. raped someone in Colorado. The charges were dropped, but the evidence was very compelling. Mm -hmm. So I have very complex feelings about him as, as a hero, although I was a huge fan of the Lakers while he was with the Lakers. It's hard to let go of that, but mm -hmm. as I was saying, he's either the third or fourth highest scoring member of the NBA ever wow. and that the way he'll be remembered is as of someone who died in a crash just like Buddy Holly and Patsy Cline and all of those who who die prematurely it's not the way that I thought he would be remembered mm. The ironic thing is that Magic Johnson came out as far as him having AIDS. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like his life would be over prematurely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet here he is, right. these at least two decades later, right. almost three decades mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. And he is still, as far as still we know, strutting. still <laughs> strutting. Yeah, yeah. Huge businessman, has a huge standing with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And it hit my entire family. My girls were pretty young when we were watching the Lakers oh, when yeah. Kobe was yeah. still a part of it. It's a very sad day. It's a terrible shock. It's just incredible. To be in Los Angeles and to have known the Lakers as the team that they were, mm -hmm. it's a very hard way to say goodbye. It's sad about Kobe.
We'll just have to have good thoughts for his surviving family. family. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Boomers, for finding us, and we will talk to you again in a week. So long, Boomers. Bye-bye. Thank you.